The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network, The Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out, head on over to BubbleGenius.com and pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator. This item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Eat shit, Bob! Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. And my guest today is presidential nominee and JFK lookalike, <laughs> Governor Jack Stanton. Hi, Izzy. Hi, Jack. Jack, when we were talking before, you were telling me that your mama liked Vegas. And, and, and who was her favorite act there? Is it Wayne Newton? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, when your mother plays blackjack, where does she stand, Pat? Is it 16? Well, she is a bit of a gambler. Uh, but so sometimes she'll go up to 17. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. uh, excuse me, Governor, but uh, I'm told that we have Senator Harris on the phone. Uh, uh, hello. This is indeed an honor. Thank you. We were just talking with Governor Stanton about how his mother loves Las Vegas. I was wondering, Senator, does your mother have a favorite vacation spot? My mother's dead. Oh. Bob Seska. Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. So, uh, programming note, <laughs> we had a guest, Eric Garland was supposed to be here, futurist and intelligence analyst Eric Garland was supposed to be here, we lost Eric Garland the last minute, he had a conflict, he had a family issue happening, so, uh, here today, in advance of her appearance on the, uh, regular after party show on Friday, it's Kimberly Johnson. Hi, Kimberly. Hello. Hello. Sorry Eat about shit, Eric. Bob. <laughs> Sorry about Eric. Oh, it's okay. It's I okay. was really I mean, looking forward to hearing him, though. I mean, everyone knows Eric from his uh, tweet storms about uh, Trump and Trump Russia all over Twitter. And boy, he's a great guy. And uh, we hope to get him on, but we'll reschedule. But maybe for Tuesday. I mean, yeah. We're looking at Tuesday, possibly for Eric. Oh. So I, I know. I know. It's a big disappointment. I get it. Uh, but well, uh, but I know you. he he said yes to your show. He didn't even respond to my request. <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> want to be so on your show. I'm just so low on the totem pole. <laughs> you have a brand new episode of your podcast out. Uh, yes, I do. Today. And it, well, uh, yesterday. Actually, well, you recorded yesterday, and yeah. it's just it's out there in general. Yes. And and you have a new co-host now, Steph Walton. Yeah. And what's so interesting about your co-host is Steph is so cool, and she's always so enthusiastic. I know she really is. Yeah. It's so I mean, because sometimes I can, I guess you know, I, mean, I'm, I don't think I'm a downer per se, <laughs> but I can maybe come from the more gloom and doom side. But she's just 
up for anything. You could actually start the show and you go, hey, you know what, Steph? Today we're going to be talking about brain cancer. And she'd be like, awesome! Yeah! Yeah! Brain cancer! Let's make it happen! And that's, you know, that's the way she is. She's great. She's great. And the show is really entertaining. It's uh, patreon.com slash startmeup and you can also find it on on iTunes. All right. So, uh, digging in. First of all, uh, it is uh, uh, Trump Crisis Day 145 and God damn it, I'm so... I was so frustrated yesterday. God damn it! When I was watching uh, Donald Trump's rally. And I don't know why his rally yesterday got me more fired up than usual. But for some reason, watching him talk about MSNBC and watching him talk about... I think part of it stems from the fact that um, Democrats weren't able to overcome the heavily gerrymandered red district special elections. Yeah. And so, you know, coming off of what we were hopeful, you know, we didn't get any of them. But, you know, I do want to say we we did because I bitched and complained about it when it first uh, when when the results came in. But we did shrink those um, gaps and and we took them from double digits to single digits. So there's yeah. that. But still coming off, it's like and then watching him gloat afterward right um i can you know i can imagine i would i refuse to watch it i couldn't it was uh it was him talking about the wall i mean he was back again promising that mexico is going to pay for the wall in fact he was talking about how he wants to make it a solar wall he wants to put solar panels on the wall which i guess what he's talking about is mounting them horizontally at the tops of the wall because if he wants to make the wall out of solar panels He's going to have some issues because they need to be they need to be horizontal. They need to be flat and facing yeah. the sky, not vertical on the sides of the wall. I don't know what he has in mind along those lines, but he was taking full credit for the idea. He's like, "Yeah, I'm really creative. Look at me. I'm creative. I'm a creative guy." And he said, "I'm so creative. I came up with this idea, solar panels. It's going to mean Mexico's going to pay less for the wall." And then everyone goes bananas in the audience. Yay, Mexico. He said the Mexico thing. We love his Mexico catchphrase. <sighs> I'm just watching this seething, and I know at this point, especially almost 200 days in, I shouldn't be letting Trump's rallies and his tweets just infuriate me. Yeah. But they did. They did. I, I, this is one of those things. We're just It just happened to be yesterday's rally. I paid attention to it a little bit, and I'm just like, ah, God <laughs> damn you. I was just like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, but I kept thinking, is this what we allow from our leadership and political representatives well, now? Clearly now, that's what we're, what, that's what's happening. I mean, it's it's anathema, though, to, to leadership qualities, to be an obnoxious, vulgar, trolling, name-calling head, And yet people say, he's a good leader. There's 35% of America is going, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. We're, we're going to attach our names and our reputations and our votes to this guy because he's so great somehow. <sighs> so anyway. Anyway, but, you know, he said today, he admitted finally today that the tapes do not exist. Mm -hmm. He does not have any tapes. He tweeted this today. He said, with with all of the recently reported electronic surveillance, intercepts, unmasking, and illegal leaking of information, I have no idea whether there are tapes or recordings of my conversations with James Comey, but I did not make and do not have any such recordings. He's such a bullshit artist. He really, really is. And and I don't know, should we, we... why is anyone taking him at his word? I don't believe that there. I mean, first of all, I believe that there aren't tapes. I don't believe right. that he actually made tapes. But 
what I believe is completely irrelevant. We need to look at what he is saying and what he has said in the past. And what we know about Donald Trump is he is a serial compulsive liar. And that tweet uh, was just meant to threaten and, um, you know, make James Comey feel uncomfortable or intimidate him. Right. But there's always the possibility that there actually are tapes. And by tapes, probably digital files on some handheld yeah, device or something and, and, like and those that. tapes but, would prove that Donald Trump is a fucking liar who is trying to obstruct... <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. It's a free show and I'm... I, no profanity, Kimberly. <laughs> well, it, it gets bleeped. And, I know, and but I shouldn't make are, you bleep. You have to do more work when you bleep me. So anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure if he did have a tape, he'd have to erase it because yeah. clearly it was showing that he was obstructing justice. Well, that's just it. How do we know that he didn't have a tape and has, has since erased it, yeah. which means he's destroying evidence? Right. I mean, I think we should assume that he made a recording and that he just simply destroyed it. And now he's lying about it now, because finally we heard yesterday that the I think it's the House Intelligence Committee. It might be the Senate Intelligence Committee. One of the committees investigating Trump Russia was uh, one of the members of that committee was on uh, on TV yesterday threatening to subpoena the tapes. If he didn't produce the tapes, he didn't have a word uh, about the tapes before Friday. They were going to subpoena the, the tapes. Right. And uh, but I mean, I think they should still subpoena the tapes. I, I think mean, be, they should too. I mean, because otherwise they're simply taking Donald Trump at his word that there aren't tapes. Now yeah. he's saying there, there were tapes and now there aren't tapes. But again, what we're looking at is obstruction of justice from these people. And I'm not talking about specifically the tapes, but just generally. So we have to assume. And what, what uh, 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 Mike Pompeo has confirmed that he was asked by Donald Trump to, to squash the uh, Trump-Russia mm -hmm. investigation. Mm -hmm. So we're learning more and more about, and, and also Dan Coats and Mike Rogers. Didn't they confirm in closed session? Well, there was a story uh, on Raw Story. Right. So he's in the midst of a plot. This is Donald Trump. In the midst of a plot to cover up the Trump-Russia Trump scandal, to obstruct justice, to make sure that uh, the whole thing goes away. And we're going to take him at his word. To. Yeah, it's, it's not going to. But we're going to take him at his word that he's not also not obstructing justice. Yeah. That you know, when it comes to the the existence of the tapes. I mean, again, I understand there aren't tapes. He was he was BSing. That's my that's my assumption based on everything Donald Trump says. I mean, I guess the rule of thumb is don't take Donald Trump at his word. Well, there have been people who, um, and I, you know, I'm so bad with names. I see things on on the news and I forget names and details, but there was a, a gentleman who was sued by Trump and he said that, you know, Trump did the same thing to him, threatened uh, with tapes. And in the end he didn't have any. Yeah. By the way, before you go on Twitter, before you go on Facebook, before you go in the comments at bobseska.com to tell me that, Oh, why are you talking about the tapes? The, the healthcare bill. we got to talk about the health. We're going to talk. I swear to God, we're going to talk about the healthcare bill coming up in a bit, but there's, there's so much that has happened over the last 24 hours with regards to Trump, Russia. We're going to get to a little bit of that first. And then we're going to segue over to uh, the healthcare legislation in the Senate, which is a, a big goddamn disaster. That's a whole other can of worms happening right there. And by worms, I mean Mitch McConnell's. When we do talk about that, I'm going to give you guys a phone number to call. So get your pens ready. Yeah. So here we go. So uh, we've got the tapes or we don't have the tapes. Where are the tapes? I don't know. Did he destroy the tapes? Possibly. I was kind of thinking at some point that he was going to fabricate tapes mm -hmm. like he did with the John Miller thing where he, he called that reporter as his own publicist John, and disguise didn't, didn't even try to disguise his voice. 
just said he was his name was John Miller. He's a PR agent for for Donald Trump, and here's everything that's great about Donald Trump. And it was very clearly Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. this is something that he does. He fabricates things to make himself look better, including actually doing like characters <laughs> on the phone. Unbelievable. So they could have staged that. So yeah, yeah, that's totally James Comey's voice. And it's actually Donald Trump doing a Comey impression or something. But they put the, the recording device far, far away. So you can barely hear. So you, you can't really match the voices. And so that I was thinking that maybe he was going to do something like that. <laughs> but now he's just admitting that there aren't tapes. But again, we have to assume that he, he may have destroyed the tapes too. There may have been tapes and he, and he destroyed them to, to cover his tracks. So, we don't know. But all this is just fully indicative of stupid Watergate, and which leads us into one of the big questions that I've had since November 9th. And yes, somehow, some way, votes were changed. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whether they were able to, the Russians were able to infiltrate the vote tabulation machines or in the databases that, that uh, accumulate all the vote totals. Uh, there were minds changed using propaganda and disinformation and social media and, and elsewhere. And, uh, and we're starting to learn now that the, the vote tallies, the vote totals didn't really need to be changed mm-hmm. as far as a specific attack on the databases that tally all the votes. All they needed to do was to disrupt the ability of Democratic pro-Hillary Clinton voters from actually casting votes, disrupt as many of those efforts as possible. People getting in line, people's voter registration being wrong for some reason, or maybe they've been stricken from the voter rolls somehow, or maybe the systems that are used to check people when you first go in and you you know you're at your polling place and and uh, and they go to look up your voter registration before you vote or maybe they're taking your ID or so forth, the systems that are used to check you in, maybe those systems were disrupted. Mm-hmm. Well, and last night Rachel Maddow was talking about. Are you going to talk about that? Oh, oh yes, yes, okay. <laughs> yes. We, we learned more. This is all yesterday. It took place uh, in Congress. Uh, DHS staffers uh, uh, testified about, uh, including Jay Johnson, who was the director of uh, of, of Homeland Security uh, under Barack Obama throughout the 2016 election cycle, confirmed that the Russian attack was, of course, very real and is still going on and is going to get worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. We also learned yesterday that election-related networks were targeted by Russian hackers in 21 states. Now, previously, we had heard from a, a report in Bloomberg that it was 39 states that they targeted. Turns out DHS said, well, they had 21 states in their records. Again, I, I want to preface all of this by saying we're still so early in all of this. We're just now just starting to see some of the exposed iceberg as the water sort of recedes away from it. And more and more is going to come to light as we go. Mm-hmm. Every time we start talking about you know, the voter rolls or, or, or votes being changed. Every time that issue comes up in the news, we learn more and more about yeah. it, don't we? Don't we? They, they, every time this comes up, the Russians get closer and closer to actually interfering with election day itself. Yeah, and that guy, um, I never remember his uh, first name, but is it Pascal or Pascal? Yeah, Brad Pascal. Pascal. Yeah, he's the, uh, he's the head of, uh, he's the digital director for the Trump campaign. Yeah, and I guess evidently, um, there at least the House committee is- Yeah, House to, Intelligence is going to- House gonna... Intelligence wants to interview him. Yeah, and that should be 
thrilling to watch because yeah this- it will be thrilling and just want to say i just want to shout out there that claude taylor months ago was tweeting to this guy and saying you might want to take a deal so yeah that and he's the sort of guy who would absolutely take a deal yeah. a low-level guy a guy that doesn't have a whole lot like of money confederate loving I mean, we're, t- we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal defense as yeah. this goes to, uh, obviously, it's in a special, it's, it's being uh, investigated by a special counsel. There's going to be a grand jury impaneled. There's already a grand jury impaneled in the Eastern District of Virginia looking into Flynn and Manafort. And this is just going to expand and expand. Mm-hmm. So you have a guy who's just the, the goddamn digital director for the Trump campaign who may have had links to Russian hackers may have delivered. And again, this is just an assumption on my part. I'm not, I don't have any information to verify this, but you know, if you look at the story logically, the Russian hackers would need to have demographic data in order to, to, to target certain voting districts, certain counties, even certain precincts. And the way to get that is through the digital director who's got targeted data Mm -hmm. on voters, potential Trump voters, potential Hillary voters across the country. And they know which areas to target. Was it James DiStefano or whatever his name was? Johnny DiStefano. DiStefano, I think is the name. Which just totally sounds like, I I know, I'm I'm Italian so I can say this. (laughs) Sounds like a mob guy. Johnny DiStefano. Yeah, I know, it really does. Yeah, hey, it's Johnny D. Johnny D is working on this for us. Um, we're going to get to that in just a okay. second. So the uh, Department of Homeland Security warned us in August. This is way back in August, August 2016, about 600 suspicious IP addresses that are linked to attacks uh, on election systems. Yeah. Um, so this is this is a lot. This was on the DHS website. I think it was also on the FBI website. A series of IP addresses, all the 600. IP addresses. And they said, okay, now check your systems, all of the local precincts running their own elections, check your systems to see if they've been uh, uh, attacked by any of these IP addresses. So uh, it turns out that in a couple of cases, and this is something that Rachel Maddow talked about last night on her show, and this was uh, uh, really staggering to, to, to hear these stories all laid out in sequence. Turns out that there were major computer glitches in both Dallas County in Texas and Durham County in North Carolina. Now, the way Rachel laid it out is she said that uh, in Dallas, that was one of the places in Texas that it was possible for Hillary Clinton to run up vote totals enough that she might have a fighting chance as well. There's some other blue districts in, in Texas and in Dallas and Houston. Those were areas where Hillary Clinton could run up the vote totals and potentially win Texas. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was remember there was lots of talk about maybe Hillary Clinton is is pulling away so far from Donald Trump that she could actually end up winning Texas yeah. too. Uh, so we have disruptions in Dallas County. Yeah, certain counties were very specifically targeted for that reason. Yeah, seventeen of the flagged IP addresses, the, these uh, uh, nefarious IP addresses flagged by the Department of Homeland Security and, uh, and the FBI, were discovered to have attacked the Dallas County voter rolls. They say that they weren't, they didn't get into anything. That's that's the word. Sounds to me as if sometimes that's a cover your ass kind yeah. of statement. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll take them at their word that they weren't able to infiltrate. But, you know, do they necessarily need to infiltrate or can they just slow down the computer network? Can they do basically a, like a DDoS attack in some cases? Mm-hmm. Possibly. Possibly. We're only now learning about some of their their methods and mm-hmm. some of their tactics and all of this. Uh, some of those IP addresses that uh, that attacked the Dallas County voter rolls were from Russia. 
Also, the FBI is probing whether a firm controlling voter systems in 21 of North Carolina's 100 counties was hacked. The systems that uh, deal with checking voters in at polling places. That system failed on Election Day in Durham County, North Carolina. It failed. There are news reports. Rachel showed some of the clips yeah. in the local news reports saying uh, election systems are failing uh, in, in Durham County. There are long lines. People, uh, uh, you know, out trying to vote and they, they have to wait in these long lines and there's, there's problems. They're having trouble checking people in. And, and yeah, what a fantastic idea. If you're a Russian hacker and you're tasked by the Kremlin to help interfere with the, uh, the 2016 election in the United States, what's a great way to do that without changing vote totals? Because vote, changing vote totals, that, that would be, if they actually found evidence of that, that would be a pretty significant error, I think, mm -hmm. on yeah. that part, to, to leave such a big marker of the attack right there. Vote totals change. So they have to either be really careful with changing vote totals or not even bother with it. Mm -hmm. And so instead, <laughs> instead, what they try to do is just to depress the vote, to suppress it, to make sure Democratic voters can't go in and do these yeah, things. Yeah, they had all kinds of problems with machines. Yeah. I mean, and already we know that waiting in a long line yeah. to vote is going to decrease turnout. People are just going to give up at a, after a certain period of time because they have to go to work or they have to get home to eat dinner and be with their families. Yeah, and then add to that, and you know, because it's November in so many states, it's cold. It could be raining, you know. So you've got long lines in terrible weather. Obviously, not every state is going to have terrible weather, yeah. but it happens. Yeah. So it's just going to add to you know any any terrible weather. It's going to make it that much worse. Yeah, and we have a hard enough time getting. Well, I'll speak for the Democrats. We have a hard enough time getting Democrats out to vote in the first place well we have a we hard enough time when you consider half the population of this country didn't vote yeah you know i'm sure some of those people would have voted republican right but um it, it's you know people are not motivated to vote at all yeah yeah and so what does that do when suddenly you've got a glitch in a computer system in a major democratic stronghold in north carolina you depress the turnout. Yeah, and People then what's decide awful is because, you know, here, one of the things that I just want to say here is some of those problems that um, Rachel was talking about last night in some of the uh, districts, uh, I remember, and I'm always going to say this, back in the primaries, and I don't know if it stretched back to the primaries, but there were issues with voting machines and stuff. Yep. So, so these um, angry Bernie voters kept blaming the DNC for, um, you know, cheating and, uh -huh. and, and all this stuff. Wh who's to say, I don't believe the, D you know, look, I was pissed off at the DNC way before the fucking prime. Uh, oh, I did it again. Way before the primaries. And, <laughs> and um, you know, and it's because I think that, you know, they didn't do a good job enough uh, of selling, but I didn't yeah. believe they were cheating. And, um, you know, did they have their fingers tilted on the scale for Hillary? Sure they did. Yeah. But, did they cheat? Did they go in and, and, and change votes and, and hurt machines? No, that was the Russians. That was, you know, and, and for all we know, Republicans were behind some of this. Yeah. And I know we're just, we're matching up anecdotal reports with, uh, with press reports and, and some information that's been delivered already in testimony in Congress. 
the fact is that I mean, we may find out that they didn't change right. any voter so registration during the primary. Spe- speculation. Yeah, we're, we're merely speculating here, but I mean, we do know that there were issues with people's voter registration getting screwed up, and 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 not just one or two instances. I mean, we're hearing about a lot of them during the primary. Now that would play perfectly into the strategy of Vladimir Putin to get uh, Bernie Sanders people disillusioned with Hillary Clinton yes. to walk away from the Democratic Party to vote for independent candidates like mm, Jill Stein who blocked me on Twitter and Jill Stein whose vote totals in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and and Michigan uh, if you give those votes or even half of those votes to Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton wins the election. Yeah. So you get people in the primaries to walk away from, again, Hillary Clinton, go over to Jill, maybe vote for Jill Stein, maybe write in Bernie Sanders. Those are votes that are being taken away from Hillary Clinton and basically handed to Donald Trump. That's essentially what we're talking about here. And that part of the strategy, we already know. There have been reports all over the news talking about how uh, the Russians targeted Bernie Sanders supporters with disinformation. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that Bernie Sanders supporters are stupid or idiots or being easily misled and so forth. I'm just saying that this was part of the strategy. No, but you know what? As a Bernie supporter back uh, in the primary, I was absolutely confused, Mm -hmm. suspicious. Yeah. I didn't know what was happening, you know, and, and, and of course, with the disinformation campaign pointing to Hillary Clinton, pointing to the DNC, it's a natural, um, it, you just naturally jump to that conclusion. Yep. Is the DNC f***ing with us? Is the DNC, you know, I mean, I don't believe the DNC cheated um, in the way that they've been accused. Mm-hmm. I don't like the way they handled the primary. Yeah. Um, I, I think Bernie sh- and, and Hillary should have had more debates. I think the debate should have been scheduled at better times. And I think that just serves everyone. Everybody, you know, Hillary was up for the debates when it was um, Obama, her against Obama. She made a comment specifically saying we should have, you know, as many debates as possible. And I agree because, you know, even though a lot of the time you're hearing the same talking points over and over again, not everybody watches every debate. So, um, you know, anyway, I I just think that, uh, you know. As a Bernie supporter, I, I do want to double down on that. It's not that we're saying people are stupid, but it is easy when you're already pissed off to just go to where you're pointed. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and of course, yeah. I mean, I, I would second that again. That it's not. It's not a. We're not impugning anyone's intelligence or anything like that. This is just a matter of this is part of the attack, and this was a major, major attack. And I I, I want to emphasize too that Donald Trump is out there tweeting today once again. And it was all a big Democratic hoax. We'll get to some of his tweets in a minute here. But I mean, again, we have to make sure that we continually reinforce the fact that this was a Russian attack on the United States. And we've got half of the, of the American voting population who are saying, I don't know. <laughs> just yeah. a, I don't think so. And one of those people is Donald Trump, the president of the United States. It's yeah. Terrifying. Utterly terrible. It was one of the things I want to talk to Eric Garland about because he's been looking at this from a a futurist point of view. Like, wh- how does this go? Where does this evolve? He's got some freaking awesome rants on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. Go go and follow Eric Garland on Twitter. But uh, meanwhile, so we have this other thing, and this regards uh, again personal voter files, possibly another angle to the Russian attack. This GOP data firm 
accidentally leaked. This is from Gizmodo. Well, accidentally. Acci- yeah. In air quotes. <laughs> yeah, in scare quotes. Accidentally leaked 200 million voter files. That's 61% of all registered voters. We can assume that my information is out there. Kimberly's information is out there. You listening in, if you're registered to vote, it's possible, in fact, likely that your information is out there too. Six in 10 voters' information was exposed publicly by this GOP data firm. And it was, uh, let's see, there's also, the, the, the main firm is this firm called Deep Root Analytics. And they're being sued, by the way, for their involvement in this uh, data leak. Um, meanwhile, one of the providers of the information of this voter roll of 200 million voters, this entire database of American registered voters, this information was provided to uh, Deep Root Analytics and to their uh, service by a company called Data Trust, which that brings us back to our mob guy, Johnny DeStefano. <laughs> I don't know if he's a mob guy. I just think it's Johnny DeStefano. I mean, it goes by the first name Johnny. Usually yeah. that's either that's a DJ or a mob guy. <laughs> it's Johnny D in the morning. Good morning, everybody. It's 20 minutes <laughs> after 7, 40 minutes till 8, everybody. So this guy, Johnny DeStefano, works for a firm called Data Trust, and most of that data that was leaked out, 200 million voter files, uh, was the responsibility of Data Trust. All of this data was found on an unsecured Amazon cloud drive. No password, just left out there at a random URL for people to find. Anyone who happened to stumble upon it would have it. So why was all of this information? Again, the names of every, it was 61% of every registered voter in the United States. Why was that placed out into the public domain without a password? Why was that put out there? I don't know. But what we do know is Johnny DeStefano, who's got his fingerprints all over this data leak, is now the... uh, He's now in charge of presidential personnel inside the Trump White House. Yeah. Yeah, so now he's an actual Trump White House staffer, and he's linked to this massive leaking of voter files. It's just so scary. It's it's because it's not, it hasn't stopped. It's not going to stop. You know, we need to prepare for. Um, you you said to me last night. This time next year, we need to be looking out for such a huge disinformation campaign. Yes. Yes, one year from now, we are going to be seeing the propaganda and the disinformation flying like you wouldn't believe. It's going to make 2016 look like a cakewalk, because what we're talking about are 435 congressional races. Many of those, uh, you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of really tight races where the Democrats are actually going to be competitive in red districts. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to see a year from now as we're leading up to the midterms uh, in the fall of 2018? Throughout the summer, we're going to see all kinds of Russian shenanigans. And I don't know why everyone is taking the results of these last four special elections as being uh, taking them at face value. How do we know that those voting systems weren't hacked? How do we know that propaganda wasn't weaponized into places like Montana, into uh, where else? Uh, Oklahoma and and Georgia and South Carolina. How do we know that the Russians didn't meddle in those elections? We don't know yet. I mean, there hasn't been any official word on it yet. But based on the fact that they so uh, uh, deeply infiltrated American democracy 
and our sovereignty when it comes to elections uh, last year in, in this presidential election. How, how can we assume that that was an isolated incident yeah. when everyone in the intelligence community testifying before Congress is saying that this is going to continue? It wasn't just a one-off thing. Like, you know, elect Donald Trump, smoke a cigarette, and go to sleep. <laughs> it, it wasn't that. It was ongoing. It continues today. And, you know, again, I mean, I don't, I'm, not, I don't have, I'm not privy to uh, uh, intelligence of, of any sort. But I think just looking at it at the surface... It's possible that that uh, there was a voter suppression effort through hacking endeavors and so on. There was uh, maybe disinformation. We don't know. All, all we can assume is what we've been told, which is that the attack continues and that we have had, what, four or five special elections since Election Day 2016? And that we're going to have many, many more next year. Mm-hmm. 435 House races. How many uh, Senate races? I think there's, it's, it's one third of the Senate. It'll be thir- 32, thir- 33 Senate races. Many, many Democrats, many more Democrats up for re-election mm-hmm. than Republicans yeah. next and, year. And, you know, the idea is we've got these heavily gerrymandered district. There's a, a book that you're going to have to bleep me, but it's called Rat F***ed. Um, I haven't read it, but my mother is currently reading it. And she was she's like she eats books. She reads yeah. so much. And um, she was saying that she, and she's also, um, you know, a political junkie and a blogger for Liberals Unite. She was talking about the fact that she could only read a little bit of a time because um, it's just so awful to, you know, to read about what's happening and, and it feels really dire. But yeah. one of the one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that when people show up in numbers too big to ignore, that's literally what it is. The gerrymandering won't matter if enough people show up. Yeah. So, you know. Don't think that because it's a heavily gerrymandered district that you have no shot at winning. Don't ever let that stop you from voting. Yeah, and if you're just starting to follow elections now and starting to follow politics, just so you're aware of what rat f***ing is, rat f***ing is a term that was invented back in, I think back in the 60s. Donald Segretti, who was linked to the water, linked to Watergate, who uh, was engaged in all kinds of dirty tricks and things like that behind the scenes. Of course, he was doing what he termed to be fun stuff, you know, putting out uh, uh, disparaging things on the stationery of, of his opponents and so forth yeah. to make his opponents look crazy and, and crap like that. Uh, Carl Rove is great at right. rat f***ing. Carl Rove used to do that all the time. And uh, what this is, is uh, with the, the Trump-Russia thing, this is rat f***ing times a factor yeah. of a thousand. This is like, this is a serious, like, this is the disinformation campaign that Russia engaged in has its roots in, in rat f***ery. <laughs> so this is, well, by the, the way. And there's also, we're going to be doing the, in, in 2020, the new census comes out, mm-hmm. which will mean that the people in power are going to be able to uh, draw up the new districts. Yeah. So you, you. You have to vote for that reason as well. Right, right, exactly. So uh, after we talk about Harry's razors here, um, there's this other story that has to do with Putin and Oliver Stone. Uh, Oh, my God. God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We have got to talk about this. And then, yes, we're going to get to... And then we'll talk about healthcare. Get to to healthcare. Uh, But I am... uh, Even though Eric Garland isn't here, I did shave in preparation for a special guest today, Eric Garland, but... It's okay because Kimberly Johnson's here. And, you know, it's it's important to be presentable when you're doing a you know podcast with no video whatsoever. Uh, but a smooth, clean shave from a blade that feels expensive but comes straight to my door at half the cost of the big name brands. That's what I love about shaving with products from Harry's Razors. From the hefty, balanced handle that fits in your hand to the precision-engineered five-blade cartridges. 
They come with a trimmer blade, a lubricating strip, and a travel cover to Harry's rich lathering shave gel. It all began with two ordinary guys named Jeff and Andy. Have you seen the uh, the Harry's commercial, Kimberly? Yes. Uh, Jeff and Andy and the I commercial. Have. Is it just me or are they not hot? <laughs> they are hot. <laughs> they got tired of getting ripped off on blade prices. One big company in particular relentlessly jacked up their prices and made a fortune while we all spent a fortune on those blades kept behind their uh, their secretive glass cases. I always hate that. I gotta go buy razor blades and I gotta find some guy to unlock a glass case because they're so damn expensive. Huh, it's like buying electronic equipment, but it's just razor blades. So Jeff and Andy bought their own factory, one that's been making blades for over a century. So now they can ship top quality blades directly to you. The result, quality products at your door for half of what you've been paying. Half. And that's the Harry's story. Become a part of it. Jeff and Andy are so confident you'll love their products. They want you to go to harrys.com right now to try their new shave set for free. Hmm. It's a $13 value, but all you pay is shipping. Sign up at harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. And because you listen to this show... Uh, Jeff and Andy will even throw in a free post-shave bomb. It's the mother of all bombs, but only if you log into harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. That's harrys.com slash B-O-B-C. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back today. Thank you for joining us. Kimberly Johnson's here. Make sure to go shopping if you have a chance through our Amazon link. Just go to BobSeska.com. Just beneath the logo, you'll see a big uh, all capitals link. It says uh, the Amazon link. It takes you right to the front page of Amazon.com. You get to go shopping, and plus you help support the show because we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing extra. And again, as I said, it helps support the show. So thank you and for doing that. We, I'm going uh, to add a shameless plug for your Amazon thing, too. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. my mother, and I'm just going to sell her, Ann Werner, A-N-N, and that's Werner, mm-hmm. W-E-R-N-E-R. She writes thrillers. And she's books. really, yeah. yeah, books. She's really good. And I, you know, I normally, obviously a daughter's going to say her mother's good, but my mom has had a lot of different jobs. She's been an actress. She's been in car sales. She's, she's done everything. And I have to say, because she has been an avid reader since she was a little girl, writing is, is the best thing she's ever done. She's a fantastic writer. And yeah. there's a couple of books out. She's got Dreams and Nightmares, Crazy. Crazy is um, really good. And Crazy is good because uh, it's, I'm, I can't give it away. It is a book about a serial killer and it's very dark and it's very, very, very loosely based on me and somebody that I used to know. Oh my God. <laughs> so anyway, there's that. So you can find all of that at Amazon That's under Ann Werner. More than a little terrifying because I've, <laughs> I've read some of the books. I've read some of Crazy so far. And, and it's, it's really based dis- on you. You know, it's great because um, in Crazy... <laughs> I, need, I need to run screaming out of the house. It's just like, it's, it's horrifying. The thing I like about Crazy is that she, funnily enough, she can't watch certain... Um, you know, horror movies or whatever, but she'll write these horrific scenes. And what's great is in Crazy, there's like this really dark humor. Yeah. So there's that. All right. So uh, speaking of dark humor, this story about <laughs> about Putin. So as you know, uh, uh, Oliver Stone has a uh, 
a documentary on Showtime right now in which he went out uh, without his cocaine, which he usually carries <laughs> with him wherever he goes, uh, allegedly. And uh, and so he went out to uh, Moscow and, and met with Putin and interviewed Putin and, and went around with Putin for a little while. And we, we were exposed to uh, what Putin, what makes Putin tick, at least what he wants people to think makes him tick. And uh, at one point, Putin shows Oliver Stone. He's like, like trying to like show off to Oliver Stone. So he takes out his iPhone or whatever it is, whatever uh, cellular device that Putin has, and shows Oliver Stone on camera. We actually see an over-the-shoulder shot of what he's showing Oliver Stone on his phone. And it's uh, night vision video taken from what Putin says to be a Russian fighter jet launching an attack on ISIS. And what we see in the video is amazing to look at. And I'm, I'm not, I don't see, say amazing just because it's, it's great to look at. I don't, I don't think it's great to look at, but it's fascinating mm-hmm. and, and destructive and, and terrible. It is. And, and, but at the same time, you know, it just sort of underscores uh, the, the, the brutality of the war. And so far as what you see are a lot of, a lot of figures running across what looks to be a battlefield. And then just these missiles hitting these groups of, what Putin says are ISIS fighters and then just annihilating them. I mean, just these explosions where there once were people, uh, ISIS fighters, allegedly. But it turns out (laughs) that uh, Putin shouldn't have let the camera show the video in the documentary. Because? Because experts have looked at the video and determined that it's not Russia attacking ISIS. It's an American fighter jet attacking Taliban fighters. Yeah, so Putin lied. And so now this is a big effing deal in Russia. It makes Putin look like an idiot, thankfully. But this was just so fascinating to see. Not only from the fact that you know we're actually getting a glimpse of video that we hadn't seen yet, of uh, of now what we learned to be ta- Taliban fighters just getting annihilated on the battlefield well, is, by American is, missiles. And then, and then, what's his name? Oliver Stone made some kind of comment about how you wouldn't want to go f- be an ISIS fighter after seeing this. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Oliver Stone, he just he's a disgusting human being. I I, I admit that I like some of his movies. Yeah, but he's just horrible. And I mean, he said some pro Putin things and how we should, you know, ease up on him. And, and he's a great leader or something like that recently. But this is clearly Putin, Putin propaganda at work. Yep. You know, th- this is one, this is one more piece of disinformation campaign. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my father who worked in Russia pointed out to me anyway, that these, these pictures of him um, shirtless on the backs of, of horses and stuff, while we laugh at it, uh, to to Russians, this this shows that he's strong, and Russians really revere strength. So for them, it's not funny. Yeah. For them, this is very serious, and and this is just another way for him to prove that he's strong and capable, and that we should put our faith in Putin. So I mean, this is just, in my opinion, uh, one more piece of this disinformation campaign. Yeah, and you know what? It seemed to me as if it'd be something that Trump would have done. 
Yeah. This is exactly the kind of crap that, that Trump does all the time. He does it on Twitter. He did it with the... Uh, I mean, every time he gets in front of uh, important people, he starts yeah. bragging and showing off. And he did that with uh, with who? Uh, Lavrov and Kislyak yeah. inside the Oval Office by giving them uh, intelligence that had been gathered. Um, and... <laughs> just lying and making things up to make himself look bigger than he is. Yeah, but I think that there are different motivations. I think Trump is just all about himself and hey, look at me and look how great I am. Putin is, he's got a sinister plan that I don't necessarily think Trump has. Right. He's too busy being, you know, just in love with himself or wanting everybody else to be in love with him. He's he's too filled up with ego, Mm -hmm. um, at least superficial ego where you know, Putin, on the other hand, he is a very dangerous character for so many different reasons. Yeah, don't forget that uh, Putin's up for re-election. I mean, there's going to be a, a, a an election coming up soon. Yeah, and I'm sure you can really Russia. trust those uh, Russian um, returns. Yeah, yeah, and and that actually leads me to something that I wanted to mention here uh, by way of Trump's tweets today. D- Donald Trump, you can tell that the uh, the Senate health care bill was uh, <laughs> was released today in some form. And uh, because Donald Trump was all over Twitter with all kinds of unrelated screeching yeah. on on Twitter, making himself look like a, a just a compl- oh my god, I want to go off again about how uh, just infuriated I am with Donald Trump's behavior, just on an ongoing basis. But for some reason, the last twenty four hours, I'm especially sensitive to it. I don't know exactly why. But here's one of the things he wrote: Former Homeland Security Advisor Jay Johnson is latest top intelligence official. I'm just reading this verbatim. Former Homeland Security Advisor Jay Johnson is latest top intelligence official to state there was no grand scheme between Trump and Russia. No, that is a lie. That is a big lie. Wrong. No, it is a lie. He was asked, was there collusion? He said, well, I don't know anything more than what's already been reported on public record. That was Jay Johnson's actual response, and Donald Trump is lying about what was actually said. Mm -hmm. And of course, he can get away with it because his 62 million screeching yokels his disciples who all, you know, filleted him yesterday in Iowa, they're all going to go along with it because they're not going to go and review the testimony of Jay Johnson or look it up. So this, again, this is Donald Trump playing to his his base and making sure his base is happy. Then he also said, by the way, if Russia was working so hard on the 2016 election, it all took place during the Obama admin. Why didn't they stop them? <sighs> Well, this was addressed I mean, last deserved- night on Lawrence O'Donnell. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, basically their Obama administration will have to answer, you know, answer to some of these things. But well, it's a really hard. It was well, according to whoever was talking, one of the talking heads on Laurel, Lawrence O'Donnell, that some of them will have to answer as to why they didn't say anything. But clearly the reason why they didn't say anything was because they didn't want to um, disrespect the whole election process they they didn't want to seem partisan yeah i mean i i i struggle with this because on one hand i believe we need to know you know citizens of the united states deserve transparency and in you know we did know um that the russians were trying to interfere because it was being reported on but it wasn't emphasized to the degree that it is now and nobody really including me understood what that meant yeah and so I would have, you know, I feel like I would have liked Obama to be a little stronger with this. But at the same time, if he were to come out and make something, you know, make some kind of a statement, 
it it might have even added the fuel to the uh, to the Trump movement. But the fact is that Obama did make a statement. Well, Obama did, did say something. It was it was right around the. Uh, I mean, I mentioned it before. It was right around Pussygate, right? He when did, I, but he he certainly didn't um, come out in in the way that uh, you know where he was hammering it or where he was really making it something that everybody you know because in the end people who weren't paying really really close attention yeah didn't really realize it right well i I get that there's an issue uh where he doesn't want to uh he doesn't want to politicize the intelligence community assessments of what the russians are doing but at the same time he did announce also in december after the election that he was he signed an executive order applying serious sanctions to russia and he also he also authorized a retaliatory or a series of retaliatory cyber attacks. Mm-hmm. That was the implication of what uh, what uh, Ob- Obama said at the time. Well, yeah. we can also look at the uh, mainstream media and yeah. how they handled it because they were not reporting it in in such a uh, urgent way either. Yeah. Okay. So right here, it's a uh, Obama both authorized sanctions and retaliatory cyber attacks. Quote. At a time and place of our own choosing. So maybe the retaliation as far as another cyber attack by the United States against Russia, and I don't mean to say another one, but another one if you also include the Russian attack against us, may actually take place, and I'm just assuming here, if it hasn't already taken place and or a, on an ongoing basis, maybe yeah, maybe. maybe now our, our intelligence services and one of the things that uh, our intelligence services does is they, they put out disinformation. They they hack themselves. We've read about all these things. Maybe it is yet to come. Maybe there's going to be some sort of major disruption in the Russian election. Maybe maybe it actually could actually lead to Putin losing his reelection bid as, as president of Russia. What we don't know yet, but we do know, despite what Donald Trump has said, is that, yes, Obama has retaliated against Russia for these attacks. But what has Donald Trump done? Donald Trump hasn't done a goddamn thing and has, in fact, been lobbying since he was elected, I mean, even before he was elected, to strip away the sanctions against Russia, just in general, the, the sanctions that have been applied since Ukraine, since Crimea, since, since all these human rights atrocities in Russia. Uh, including those, including the the uh, retaliatory sanctions with regard to the election hacking, and then also, uh, you know, he's given these uh, these spy compounds in Maryland and New York mm-hmm. yeah. ba- back yes. to the Russians. Exactly. Jesus Christ! Well, you know, and I'm just going to interject here with. Um, Seems I'm obsessed with Claude Taylor because I am, but um, I'm going to, and you know what, for any I mean, I, I just want to emphasize here that I'm not, Kimberly is kind of speaking for herself. I'm not necessarily endorsing the reporting of uh, uh, Louise Mensch or Claude right, Taylor. Me neither. Or I'm people, just, but, I just like reading it. Right. I like reading right. it because especially not so much Mensch, I, I'm not going to trash her, but I don't feel as secure in what she says as I do in what Claude says. And the reason I say that is because Claude keeps getting proved right time and time and time again. There are things that he's going to get wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, so, you know, I'm going to say that, but I want to read a thread that he put out a little earlier and and pardon me if it sounds choppy because he, he started to um, tweet it and then people interrupted and then he answered them. So I'm just going to, it's like, I think it's three or four tweets. So source with, Source with knowledge of investigation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mueller is proceeding along three broad fronts investigating Trump for ties to uh, Russian organized crime, especially money laundering and other illegalities tied to his business career. The second front is Trump campaigns and their collusion and coordination with Putin Russia, government in fixing and, and government fixing 
the 2016 election. The third front is Trump's crimes as president, especially obstruction Obstruction of of justice. justice. My source says Mueller's team feels confident that Trump has committed impeachable offenses on all three fronts. Wow. So you know what? Um, Regardless of the fact that Claude said this, this, this seems clear to all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's just basically, you know, doubling down on it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the, uh, organized crime and money laundering aspect with regard to a, a specific guy that we've talked about on the show before. In fact, Chez and I talked about it on the show four days before Chez died. We talked about this guy named Felix Sater, who's, oh God, who's yeah. linked to the Trump family, who's linked to lots of uh, uh, mob money, both Russian mob money, American mafia money, and so forth. All kinds of nefarious connections uh, run through this guy, Felix Sater, who for the longest time, just as a, as a way of a taster here, uh, had his office two floors down from Donald Trump's office in Trump Tower. And we're going to talk about that on the postmortem show. But we're going to take uh, we're going to take one last break, and then when we come back, we're going to dig into this this goddamn uh, Senate health care bill. God damn it! And we're going to get into it right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items, too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska! This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Thank you, Buzz. Make sure to support the show. Support, please support the show <laughs> <laughs> at Patreon.com slash Bob and Chez, or just click the Patreon link at uh, BobSeska.com. Thank you. Uh, so I was just wondering before we started the show, first of all, I was wondering, where is Eric Garland? He was supposed to be on the show today. I was just joking. And then I was wondering, where is Barack Obama? They've got this healthcare legislation that's being introduced in the Senate, and they're going to vote on it. They've been fast-tracking. It's all, all kinds of secrecy and shenanigans by the albino slee stack, Mr. Uh, Mitch McConnell. Senator Mitch McConnell. I just don't want to call him Mr. Uh, and so Obama has actually finally emerged here and, and made a statement about uh, the uh, Senate bill. He says here, the Senate bill unveiled today is not a health care bill. It's a massive transfer of wealth from middle class and poor families to the richest people in America. It hands enormous tax cuts to the rich and to the drug and insurance industries paid for by cutting health care for everybody else. Those with private insurance will experience higher premiums and higher deductibles with lower tax credits to help working families cover the costs, even as their plans might no longer cover pregnancy, mental health care or expensive prescriptions. 
Discrimination based on pre-existing conditions could become the norm again. Millions of families will lose coverage entirely. Simply put, if there's a chance you might get sick, get old, or start a family, this bill will do you harm. And small tweaks over the course of the next couple of weeks, under the guise of making these bills easier to stomach, cannot change the fundamental uh, meanness at the core of this uh, legislation. And I I like how he quoted, sort of indirectly quoted Donald Trump on the meanness thing. Um. Yeah, it's all of that, and and in fact, much, much worse than has been described there. First of all, if you're a Trump voter, welcome to the show. Thank you for listening, uh, and go F yourself. If you're a Trump voter, well, you don't need to F yourself, because Donald Trump is busy, do it for you, yeah. busily effing you right in the big, fat bunghole. That's what he's doing right now with this legislation. That's what Mitch McConnell is doing right now, because you know who's going to be affected worse than anyone else? in this legislation, or first, I should say, you know who's going to be affected first and who's going to be screwed by this? The red states, the Trump states, the states that are going to opt out of the essential health benefits. Those are the people in those red states who are going to get screwed by this legislation first before anyone else does. So you need to call your senators, and here's a number, it's a general number, 202-224-3121. And then you need to just repeat that one more time. 202-224-3121. Okay. And so what we have here is legislation that includes not billions, but $1 trillion in tax cuts. This is according to CNBC, which is hardly liberal. $1 trillion in tax cuts, according to CNBC. 40% of those tax cuts go to the wealthiest 1%. The 1%? I'm going to talk about the 1%, and now I'm going to talk about them. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to talk about them, and now I'm going to talk about them. <laughs> Talking about the 1%, and uh, 40% of those cuts go to the, the 1%. 64% of the tax go, cuts go to the top 20% of earners. This is a major, major, major tax cut. Let's see, what else is in this legislation? Um... Okay, according to according to the bill so far, the Senate bill does not repeal the pre-existing conditions language. That's what we see on the surface. So in other words, if you have pre-existing conditions, unlike the House version of the bill, you're still going to be okay. In theory, in theory, what this legislation does, however, is it reapplies both lifetime and annual limits on coverage. So in a sense, it's kind of a backdoor repeal of covering pre-existing conditions because the people who need those uh, benefits more than anyone else are people with ongoing illnesses, pre-existing conditions. You need coverage that's not going to expire before you've used it while you're still in treatment for, say, cancer. Say you have cancer and you're going through chemotherapy and it's maybe an advanced stage cancer and you need this, uh, this therapy, uh, you need uh, chemotherapy and you need all the associated treatments that go along with that. And suddenly your insurer goes, well, wait a minute, we've paid out your annual limit for 2017 or 2018. You don't get any more coverage for the rest of the year. Sorry, sorry. Or lifetime limits, where you could be getting coverage for a couple of years, and suddenly you've reached your lifetime limit on coverage, meaning 
your insurance company can now, if this bill passes as is, your bill, your 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 insurance company can cut you off from your insurance from that point forward. So you are then basically kicked off of your insurance, at least for the things that you need yeah. the insurance the most for. So this is a gigantic screwing to millions of millions of people. Of course, what is preserved from the House bill to the Senate bill are is the repeal of the essential health benefits, which means all of the the free uh, cancer screenings, mammograms, all that stuff is eliminated. That doesn't have that's no longer required to be covered if this version of the bill passes. As far as uh, the tax credits go, unlike the House bill, uh, tax credits are once again based on income and not on age. That was kind of a smart thing to throw in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mandates, though, are done. No more individual mandates, which means you can... You don't have to sign up for insurance at all. You can just sign up when you get sick and then cancel your insurance when you're healthy again. Uh, Older customers are going to be charged more, maybe five to one, more than younger ones. Under Obamacare, the ratio was just three to one. Uh, This more slowly phases out the Medicaid expansion, but it still phases out the Medicaid expansion. Starting in 2021, enhanced federal payments would then be rolled back over three years to traditional Medicaid funding rates. 31 states in Washington, D.C. have expanded their Medicaid program under Obamacare. That all goes away. Uh, Traditional Medicaid uh, undergoes steep, steep cuts. Uh, subsidies for abortion can no longer or, or subsidies can no longer be used to purchase health plans to cover abortion. Of course, that was already in the bill because of the Hyde Amendment. Uh, but no more Medicaid funding for Planned Parenthood. That's cut off. Uh, that would be cut off for one year, I guess. So that's something you're going to have to renew every year. And, and and isn't that convenient? So they still have the issue. They cut off Planned Parenthood. You think, well, okay, well, they're they're throwing away one of their big ticket issues. They're not going to be able to demonize Planned Parenthood anymore by all these defunding threats and so forth. But uh, but every year they're going to be able to do it again (laughs) because it sunsets at the end of the year. So the Republicans just go, well, we're going to repeal Planned Parenthood funding again. (sighs) Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, So far, the good news is that this is deeply unpopular with even some Republican senators. Collins, Senators Collins and Murkowski, uh, Susan Collins uh, and Senator Murkowski from uh, Alaska are um, uh, Collins. And I know for, from Maine and Murkowski is from Alaska, but they are unlikely to vote for this bill because of the uh, defunding of Planned Parenthood. Uh, meanwhile, Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, Ron Johnson, who's the manager of All American Burger, by the way, on the <laughs> side, and uh, Mike Lee. Refuse to support this bill at this point. In fact, they released a, a statement today uh, via Twitter, uh, via uh, Rand Paul's Twitter account in particular. So, uh, Rand Paul said today, today I joined Senators Lee, Johnson and Cruz in opposition to the health care bill. Read here. And then he provides a link and, and a quote here. Currently, for a variety of reasons, we are not ready to vote for this bill, but we are open to negotiation and obtaining more information before it is brought to the floor. There are provisions in this draft that represent an improvement to our current health care system. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, but it does not appear to uh, this draft as written will accomplish the most important promise that we made to Americans to repeal Obamacare and lower their health care costs. So they're saying they're not going to support it unless unless this bill becomes an outright appeal, a repeal of Obamacare. So here we have. Yep. Another uh, possible failure by the, the Republicans and Trump to pass this thing. So we'll see. They're going to try to pass it through the Senate before the 4th of July. What was what were they saying the vote was going to be? The vote was going to be a week from today. 
I, yeah, I don't remember. But Cecile Richards was uh, on television last night talking about um, the fact that they are paying attention to the calls they're getting on Capitol Hill. Yeah. So you have to call. We all have to, you know, the, people were outside of Mitch McConnell's office In some of them were wearing medical devices. They were in wheelchairs. They were dragged off by Capitol Police. It's just unforgivable. And, um, you know, so the people have to stand up for this. Because it's it's going to affect, you know, I think another important point we have to make is, in, you know, talk to your Republican friends um, in such a way that you're not screaming at them and blaming them for this, but saying you, you have to know this. This yeah, is just, something that's going to affect you. So if you don't like this, you have to let your congressional representatives know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that it's very easy to want to be rude to the deplorables <laughs> but you know a lot of these people when they're presented with actual factual information um you know we we saw that bernie sanders was able to talk to trump voters and get them to you know get on board for the uh single payer so it's just it's just the way that this information is presented yeah you know if, if you come at them with look what your stupid out you know your stupid president did that's that's going to automatically turn them off yeah. but if you say to them look you know this bill is going to hurt you yeah uh you might want to call your here's a number yeah exactly i mean again this is something that will uh affect all americans who have health insurance regardless of whether you get your yeah. insurance through an obamacare exchange or through your employer regardless of whether you're a republican or a democrat or a hillary supporter or a trump supporter or even a Bernie supporter, for God's sake. Oh, by the way, meanwhile, uh, Nevada Senator Dean Heller also has concerns about the law. So that's four, five, six, seven Republicans on my count who probably, I mean, who knows what will actually happen on the day, but will probably not vote for this legislation. Meanwhile, Paul Ryan hasn't even seen the legislation. He was asked about it today, and he said here, uh, I think the bottom line is I want them to pass the bill so we can get on with keeping our promise. Uh, I assume that doesn't include the House just voting on the Senate bill because it's possible that the House could just vote on the Senate bill and then it would go to, to uh, uh, Trump and then Trump would sign it. But I don't think it's going to work out that way because of the Senate bill, as predicted, is uh, more moderate than the House bill. So you can count on the fact that maybe fewer people will get kicked off their insurance per the Senate bill than will per the House bill. But at, at if what happens happens, if this bill actually ends up passing the Senate, there are still stopgap measures. There are still many steps between that and the bill becoming a law in which the bill can be stopped mm -hmm. procedurally. Yeah. So if the Senate passes this bill uh, because it is different than the House bill and that the Freedom Caucus in particular and a lot of the conservatives in the, on the House side aren't going to support the Senate bill because it's too moderate, then they're going to have to take that Senate bill and the House bill and they're going to have to go to what's called a conference committee. And they're going to have to work out the details in conference committee between the House side and the, Dem and the, uh, the Senate side. And they're going to have to come to some compromise. As we all know, Aren't the Republicans so great at compromise? They're the yeah, best. Really. They're very, very tremendous at, at compromise. <laughs> and they're not going to be able to compromise on this thing. They're not going to come to a, a resolution on, on reconciling both the, the Senate side and the House side of this ridiculous legislation. So what's going to happen is it's entirely possible that the whole thing will die in conference committee. That's entirely possible. And then what has to happen is... Uh, if they actually are able to hash out some sort of deal in conference committee, then the bill goes back to the House for another vote and then back to the Senate for another vote. 
So in between now and the bill becoming a law, we still have several steps. Well, we still have as a long con- as the uh, traditions are recognized. Well, that's true. They co- could come up with some parliamentary... And I uh, wouldn't put that past around. them. Yeah. Uh, certainly Mitch McConnell is entirely capable of that. But if they're going to stick to the rules, then they have... If the bill... If the two bills are different, and if Paul Ryan agrees or says he's not going to vote on the Senate bill, he's not going to call a vote on the Senate version of the bill in the House, then it has to go to conference committee, step one. Step two, has to be vote, the, the conference report has to be voted on by the House. Uh, step three, then it has to be voted on the Senate. And then uh, step four, it has to be signed by Donald Trump. And we still don't know for sure whether Donald Trump even understands insurance, much less understands what's in the bill, much less still thinks that the bill is somehow mean, which it is. <laughs> it's deeply, deeply unfair, deeply mean. This doesn't just, because remember, we've always talked about uh, Obamacare in three uh, parts, right? There's the one part is the Medicaid expansion. One part are the consumer protections, the essential health benefits, the things that are making health insurance better for me, better for you, better for everyone right now. And then the third part are the Obamacare exchanges and the subsidies that go along with those exchanges. So the problem that the Republicans have is with that third part. They're really just genuinely pissed off about this. At least Trump is. All he keeps talking about are the failing exchanges. And he did the whole thing in Ohio the other day where he's like, bye-bye, wave bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye goes the premium. And you, know, <laughs> you just want to punch his voice yeah. at that point. So Ches used to always say, I want to punch his voice. He said, bye-bye. Bye bye insurer. You know, it's like the like like actually making a joke over the fact that people are losing their insurance in yeah. Ohio. What a because it's just so hysterical. Yeah, I mean, what a colossal colossal. D-ck. So that's the thing they complain about the most. But now they're also meddling with these other things, and we don't even know through the parliamentarian in the Senate whether or not some of these things that are in the bill can actually get passed via re- reconciliation anyway. Because not all of this stuff has to do necessarily with uh, with the budget, right? Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is only about financial matters and the budget. So uh, repealing essential health benefits—I don't know how that how that makes it past the uh, the rules of the Senate and the reconciliation rules. I have I have no idea. So I guess my upshot in all of this is we need to uh, stop this now. We need to stop this loudly, but if, if for some reason Mitch McConnell does what Mitch McConnell always does, which is to slither around all the screaming, slither around process and procedure and slither around any views outside of his own little caucus, then, uh, then you know that's when we have to seriously begin to wonder whether or not it's even going to, to pass. And, and it, frankly, and I don't, I don't want anyone to get happy. Don't no. get, don't get happy. No, because I'm freaking out. Yeah. But I mean, because, yeah, because this is so serious. I mean, they basically negotiated a, a, a reform of one-sixth of the American economy completely in secret. And we don't even have a CBO score yet, which is supposed to come out next yeah, week. Yeah, again, again, they are trying to get things done without a CBO score. Yeah, yeah. You know, and this is going to affect my health insurance in a big way. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's I'm frightened. Mine too. Mine too. Yeah. I mean, mine too. The only reason I was able to get insurance uh, when Obamacare passed was because of the pre-existing condition language. Mm-hmm. I may be able to get insurance again, but, you know, heaven forbid if I end up getting cancer or yeah. worse, I mean, for God's sake, I'm going to be 46 this year. 
uh, you know, aging people don't get more oh, healthy. Excuse me. Well, I don't feel sorry for your 46th birthday. <laughs> Mine's 49. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, you know, we, we don't get more healthy as yeah. we age. So having things like bans on lifetime and annual yeah. limits are really important for people like us and frankly for most people for us old folks because it it (laughs) completely negates the purpose of having insurance in the first place if suddenly the insurance goes away because you've used too much of it that that is bullshit to quote Flynn from Breaking Bad it is (laughs) bullshit yes Okay, so the uh, post-mortem show is coming up. We ran really late today. It's an hour and 13, I guess, Don't on my Don't forget clock. to call your senators. Yes. Make a stink and talk to your Republican friends. Post-mortem show is coming up. We're going to talk about Felix Sater, who's the mobster that's linked to Donald Trump, and and not just Donald Trump, but the entire Trump family, at least the ones who are involved in his business. Plus, uh, some news about the coal king, Bob Murray, and uh, and the latest episode of uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This this whole thing ain't shit, Bob. Has hit the fan. It's great. Has hit the fan. Yeah, uh, you should subscribe to the show if you uh, subscribe to the uh, postmortem show. Yeah, please do. It's because fi- it's going to be funny. Five dollars a month, you get two postmortem shows a week. If you sign up at ten dollars a month, you get two postmortem shows plus the after party on Friday. It's coming up. Kimberly Johnson's going to be in on that one too. And uh, if you sign up at fifteen dollars a month, you get a commercial-free, unbleeped version of this show. The actual main show. All right, go do it, and we'll see you on the after party on Friday. If not, we'll see you on the free show on Tuesday. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Bob.